Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. All right, let's let's talk about uh, one state solution versus two state solution. So last week I had uh, a very very good political analyst on my show and uh, or certainly on the morning mayhem on the Balagan Babokir and uh, he was talking about his support for a one state solution and I realized that despite my job and despite the work that I do it's really something that I've just accepted what leadership has said that leadership Israeli Jewish leadership world leadership has said two state solution South African government has said two state solution okay it must be a good thing it must be the right thing but when this political analyst came along and he started talking about a one state solution how he envisions and many people along with him envision a one state solution a rainbow nation where there is room for both Jews and Palestinians I thought well let's have that conversation because maybe it is something that could work. So we've got hold of James Marlowe. He's a former political consultant to the Prime Minister's office in Israel and the Foreign Ministry in Jerusalem. And he's an Israel analyst and he joins me right now. Good morning, James. How are you? Uh, good morning to you. Well, I was expecting to see Howard, actually, but Howard looks very different this morning. Yes, very different and a lot more feminine. How it's actually your neck of the woods, <laughs> how it's actually in Israel at the moment. Um, so, James, you heard, you heard my intro about a one-state solution. Do you think that a, what, what is meant by a one-state solution? Well, let me firstly just quote the president, President Yitzhak Herzog, who was at the Munich Security Summit um, I believe he is actually on his way flying back at the moment. Uh, but he said these words, and I'm just going to turn and look into exactly what he said. Well, firstly, uh, let me just give you some background. He was talking about this because, of course, another, a lot of the nations around the world are now trying to pressurize Israel into A, a ceasefire, uh, B, some type of a cessation of the war inside of Gaza, and then C, to start talking about two-state solution. And he said these words. He said that right now, even though it's four and a half months after October the 7th, after that fatal Shabbat Simchat Torah, he says Israelis are still traumatized today, still really much feeling that pain. And of course you would expect that because A, we're losing soldiers every single day. B, there's 132 soldiers, uh, sorry, 132 hostages still left in Gaza. And C, they keep telling us they're going to do this again and again. Plus, we've got the problem on the northern border. So you cannot talk about a two-state solution at the time that Israelis are feeling so traumatized in this current situation. In right. fact, I was listening to an IDF uh, spokesperson yesterday uh, on an internal briefing, and he said, well, it was a former IDF um, uh, high up, but don't remember his rank at this time, but he was just saying in his view, he says right now, there is probably about 90% of Israelis that wouldn't even think about a two-state solution. Yeah. Now, if that's 90%, that includes the Arabs, because if a Palestinian state is going to be, there has to be some type of a border. The Arabs don't want to be on that border because, of course, they remember what took place on October the 7th. Right. And President Herzog also pointed out peaceful communities, and this is very, very important to tell the international community and to tell the South African government, peaceful communities 
They lived in an internationally recognized border since 1949. Many of them were progressive left thinking. They believed they were part of the peace camp. They believed very much in a two-state solution. They believed very much in peace. They were pressurizing their government, government after government, to actually give the Palestinians a state to talk, go back to the talks, um, give up more, more, more land. And yet they were the ones who were slaughtered on October the 7th. And not only were they slaughtered, but the Palestinians celebrated in that slaughter. And we're not just talking about Hamas or Islamic Jihad, but Palestinians right across Gaza and right across Judea and Samaria and the West Bank. And that's why it's so hard today to start speaking about two states in a situation where you've still got 132 hostages, of which at least 32 have been executed. Unfortunately, probably much more, many more. And then you've got 27 Actually, it's 26 out of the 27 European nations. The one which is not included in this is Hungary, if anyone is interested. But 26 out of the 27 European nations that, again, are talking about two states. By the way, this doesn't include the UK because the UK dropped out of the EU. But 26 out of the 27 nations that are pressurizing Israel to stop the war right now, to go to peace talks with a view of being able to create the two-state solution. And not one of them at this Munich Security Summit talked about hostages. Not one of them talked about the atrocities. Not one of them actually talked about how Israelis are feeling today. And also as well, those around 300,000 from the south and from the north who have been evacuated from their homes because they cannot live on the border. That's the issue. And nobody seems to addressing that. And if I could just say one more thing on this. No, 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 of course you can. Of course you can. James, I just want to ask you something just before you say your one more thing is that if one if one looks at Europe today and the opinions of Europeans, it is heavily, heavily colored and influenced by the Muslim majorities that are forming and the Muslim populations that are so very, very powerful within European society. Whether you're talking about Denmark, whether you're talking about Finland, whether you're talking about Germany, wherever you're talking, um, even including the UK. It, definitely the UK, very, very much so. We're seeing the rise of anti-Semitism uh, across the UK, across Europe as well. Uh, what is bringing this out? Some say it's always there. But of course, October the 7th has brought this out, which yeah. is extraordinary. Every single Saturday now, uh, there are thousands and thousands of people marching on, in the streets in London. And uh, uh, a number of them were arrested last Saturday, which has been the first time police officers have moved in on the day. Uh, their defense is that they take video and that they then go after them. They trace them down a week or two weeks later. And that has been very much criticized by members of the government in the UK, as well as obviously the Jewish community. Um, so for the first time last Saturday, that 12 people were arrested. It's not nearly enough because of the banners that they're carrying. And it's not just against um, uh, the war. It's actually anti-Jewish slogans. And the words Jewish are written inside the banners and on the banners and on the posters. There are people who I know on campuses, their kids are on campuses. And when you've got these student protests outside the student um, house, um, that, they, that there's posters around and it's scribbled on there, kill the Jews. 
So it is pretty bad in the UK, and it's beginning to get much, much worse. It seems to be out of control. Plus, you've got the added fact of there are a number of general elections coming up, not just in Europe and in the UK, but also in the United States. And that's one of the reasons why President Biden as well is also now talking about we have to now find a way to get a Palestinian state. And he's talking about it at this particular time, which is very, very hard for Israelis, as I said. And he's now trying to play to the progressive left of his own party because in every single poll, he's way behind Donald Trump. And the Democrats are saying that. That's not me saying that. That's the Democrats. And he refuses to relinquish his position as head of the Democrat Party. Yeah, well, don't despair because one of the headlines on one of the articles on Reuters this morning is Joe Biden 2.0 offers a chance at less global tension. Yes, of course, because that's worked so well in this last administration. Yeah, James, unfortunately, we have to let you go. But Harry, could you please get James back? We need to continue this conversation. I love talking to this man. Thank you very, very much. Harry's going to tell me that you're on instead of Howard, because I knew Howard was in Israel. I thought it was a link-up. <laughs> All right. Sorry. It'll be me. Howard will be okay. back on, on Friday morning. Thank you so much, James. That's uh, James Marlowe. Isn't he just brilliant? Absolutely brilliant. Um, he's a former political consultant to the Prime Minister's Office and Foreign Ministry in Jerusalem, and he's an Israel analyst.